This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Stop punishing yourself with bland, chalky protein shakes and fuel your fitness with the best protein in the game at GNC. We've got the hottest brands and flavors that legit taste like cookies, your favorite cereal, indulgent desserts, and more. It's on at GNC. The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. All right, fans, this is Red Sox Beat. Welcome into another great episode. Our spring training right around the corner. Plenty to talk about. Truck day in two days. Going to be a great couple weeks here. Plenty of snow outside, but trust me, the warm weather's right around the corner. Uh, don't forget, of course, today's episode is brought to you by Lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world. All of their self-help courses are taught by experts, and new courses are added to the site every week. Claim your free trial membership today at, to Lynda.com at www.clinda.com backslash CLNS. That's L Y N D A, not L I N D A. So if you get a URL ever, that's probably why. Um, go on there, 4,500 different courses. Anything you can think of is on there. Great experts teaching you how to do stuff. It's great stuff. So go on and check that out and get your free trial. It's a free 10 day trial today. You can uh, go try that. It's great stuff. But uh, we got a great show. I'm joined by guest co-host Jess Thomas. Not really a guest co-host anymore, considering you've been on enough. Jess is kind of in rotation at this point. But, uh, so we got a lot to talk about, Jess. We got big news. Uh, big game James signed uh, the last night, overnight. We got truck day coming up. We got some ALEs previews to look forward to. Before we get to all that, Jess, just how are you doing? How's your day? How's, how Did you survive the snow okay? Yeah, I mean, it was, I've, I'm kind of tired of shoveling at this point because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the permanent arm muscles that I shovel with are like permanently damaged because every time I start using them five minutes into shoveling, I'm like, wow, my arms hurt again. Even though I, I just did this like three days ago. It's like there's not even a break to like rest your body before you have to go out and do another another two feet. So, but I'm doing all right. It's 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 good. Starting starting my new job that that you got me. You're welcome. <laughs> Tomorrow. You're Thank welcome. you. Thank you. <laughs> me and Jared will be working together again. Two two different places now, including this. So. We're mm-hmm. doing we're doing some good stuff, so looking forward to Exciting. looking forward to starting that tomorrow and not shoveling anymore. So I hope any snow that comes in the future is like literally like one inch or less because we've had enough. This talking a big enough. storm Sunday, Jess. So your wish might not come true. <sighs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, we've broken some records up here, Jess, in the snow. Uh, I know. Last eighteen days, we've gotten more snow. We've broken the thirty-day uh, snow total here in Boston. So I've gotten, I think it was like 27-something inches of snow in the last 18 days, and that's breaking the last time we've had the most snow in like 30-day period. And we're like six inches away from breaking the 40-day snow period, and we're supposed to get at least four inches Friday. So I'm going to say we're probably going to break that. So it's a very historical winter in Boston for maybe all the wrong reasons. But <laughs> either way, plenty, plenty of white stuff outside, plenty of shoveling. I, I heard a Walmart in the South Shore uh, ran out of icy hot apparently because some people came in to buy it while they were sh- to use it while they were shoveling because they were just aching from so much shoveling. 
Luckily, it's uh, not hasn't been wet snow for them or anybody, so it hasn't been too bad. But yeah, thank, a lot of plowing. Thank God it's light, or else this would be yeah. really bad. <laughs> uh, as much as people complain about the cold, it's saving you from a lot more back problems and wet snow. And there's now still nowhere to put the snow. Uh, the train is no longer working here in Boston; it's just broken <laughs> forever. It's unfortunate. Uh, let's just MBTA needs to get on. Let's this. just like cancel life so. for the next three months and like start up again in May. <laughs> I know. Yeah, we should just go, all of us just go on hibernation, yeah. and all of a sudden, just snow be gone, and we can all start our lives. Yeah, yeah I'm fine with that. I think that's a great. Idea. I, I wish for snow. I was one of the ones who, be, who was begging for snow. I'll be honest, but no, I am done Not with anymore, it. Yeah. I, I'm ready for spring training. Truck day in two days, February 12th. But maybe, it's, maybe if you're listening to this after then, then well, happy truck day to you. But it, it, truck day is happening in a couple of days, Jess, and I am so excited. It always comes up so fast. It's like it's like winter, and then suddenly suddenly they're going down to. Spring training, it's like, whoa, it's still winter. <laughs> I know, it's crazy. I was on Twitter today. I saw a lot of pictures of various teams heading down today for their truck day. The Yankees are going to Tampa today. I believe the Mariners' truck day is today. Um, I follow the Red Sox truck day Twitter, so that's always fun <laughs> to all of a sudden to pop up honk honk on your Twitter, almost truck day. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's almost truck day. Some truck days around the league happening today and tomorrow. Uh, pitchers and catchers for the Red Sox reporting 10 days from now on the 20th. A lot to talk about between now and then. We've got a lot of Red Sox stuff to talk about. But, Jess, I really want to lead the show with kind of the big news in the baseball world. Um, James Shields finally signed somewhere. Took him long enough. How, how uh, nice of them to finally uh, do it right right in time for the show. <laughs> yeah, no, right? Good timing, right? Yes. Over, overnight last night he signed uh, officially with the Padres. Deal is $75 million over four years. I know he originally wanted six. Um, and then it was like five for 120 or 130 or something around there he wanted. Ended up getting four and 75, so he kind of screwed himself, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But just overall, Jess, the Padres are coming. This offseason have been very good. I don't know if they're going to win that division still, but they definitely are going to be a lot better of a team this year than they were last year, and adding James Shields is no downfall at all. Well, considering they already had 77 wins last year with a pretty average team, I mean, the fact that they – just got sh- pretty average is being nice too. Oh right, exactly. They weren't that good at all. Right. On paper, on paper anyway. Right, but in the standings, at least they were. But I mean, you if you're in a division, which they are with, with the Dodgers and the Giants in the same division, you're going to have to have a good team. And they got Justin Upton, Will Myers, Matt Kemp, Will Middlebrooks, <laughs> now James Shield. Like they they're putting together a lot of nice pieces. So they're definitely mm-hmm. they're definitely going to contend. I don't know, if, like you said, I don't know if they're going to win the division yet, but. That kind of just bolsters, bolsters their team even more. But Shields is going to have to pitch in the postseason if they're going to do anything. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a great acquisition, I think, for them. Because, like you said, you, all, all those guys coming in, obviously you have question marks in terms of if Matt Kemp can stay healthy and be a good uh, fit for them. Obviously, Will Myers, you know, is going to play well. He's a good player. Um, Will Middlebrooks is obviously a question mark. We all know at their base. And that's going to be hopefully maybe a good uh, change of scenery for them because you really don't know um, – what's going to happen in that situation. You hope that the team does good. I, honestly, I'm rooting for the Padres because they've had such a great, they've had such a great off season that I don't see why I really don't want to root for them at this point because I'm okay with that. And I'd like to see James Shields do well. I really still wish he was here, especially the number that he just got signed for because they, four years and 75 million is nothing considering you have, you could have been paying John Lester money for him or $130 million. I know he wanted like six years and like 130 or something like that when he first hit the market. Him waiting this long – look, spring training starts in two weeks. Him waiting this long screwed him over because if he signed right when Lester signed and didn't even wait for Max Scherzer to get off the board, he would have made some more money because Lester made his contract. And it, if you didn't take more than a couple weeks after Lester to sign somewhere and put your name out there, you would have got – he would have gotten – 
five years, maybe even maybe even his sixth year that he wanted for 120, 130 million, and now he just kind of screwed himself over. Yeah, I mean, it was really crazy how much how much he was looking to have and how much Lester and Scherzer got, and then he only got four years and 75 million. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> I would take that, but <laughs> yeah. overall, compared to the other guys and compared to what he wanted, that is significantly lower by quite a bit. So and so, yeah, the season starts. The spring training starts so soon. He waited so long. It's like, what, what, I don't. I mean, he's obviously people obviously didn't think he was as good as maybe he thought he was, or people thought he used to. I think the postseason last year really, really hurt him. Yeah, no, the postseason last year did not help because his nickname is Big Game James, and yet he just hasn't lived up to that hype. He did pretty well in Tampa when he played for the Rays in the postseason, but in KC he got put in some t- in some good spots and he really didn't pitch too well. The game in the wild card situation where they went up against John Lester and the A's, he's just lucky that John Lester pitched happened to pitch worse than him that day. Because if John Lester came at all with his A game, which he didn't, they would have been moving on and KC wouldn't have had a chance to get to the playoffs, never mind go to the World Series, which they did. James Shields didn't pitch well at all during the postseason, and I vouched for him to come here to Boston. And I grant me, if they pulled that off and he got he came here, that would have been fantastic news because him at the top of the staff still would have been great. Because right now, Rick Porcello is your ace, so I would have minded him to come here. But I think it's still good for the Padres. But again, four years, seventy-five million dollars for James Shields, and you could have gotten some big money. The Red Sox offered him 120 million. Uh, John Lester 120 million for that opening offer. If you offered James Shields that, he probably would have came here, and that's still and I still would have considered that a good deal because 75 million is a bargain. Just I think 120 million over four or five years might have, or maybe in six years, might have got him here, no question. If you wanted James Shields that bad, yeah, I think so. Consider especially considering what he what he ended up getting. But I don't know. I don't know if he's worth six years 120. I mean, he is 33 years old, and it's. He, maybe maybe this is the start of his downfall with his struggles in the postseason. It could have just been been a uh, aberration, but I think that he's certainly not going to get any better than he has been. And I mean, he hasn't been an unbelievable pitcher by any stretch of the magi- of imagination. So I don't think it would be smart to get him for six years. So I'm kind of glad. I would have liked to have him, obviously, because clearly he's still a good pitcher. But I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm not sad that we didn't get him, and I don't think he's worth as much as as he thought he was. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. And I think, I mean, if you look at this from James Shields' point of view, which I kind of want to do too, you probably had what the Padres interested. The KC KC Royals probably made an offer, but you got to think the Royals weren't really in play because they probably couldn't afford them. Um, obviously, if the Red Sox were in play, money might have not been an issue when they heard the other offer. They might have just said screw it. That's that's still kind of high at this point. So I don't even know. But you got to think that this deal. Okay, how old, he's probably going to be what thirty eight or thir- like thirty eight by the end of this contract. Um. Yeah, I believe he's 32. I yeah. think he's 33. So, okay, so he's 33. So if you put him, say, four years. Okay, so he's 37. No, he is. If you sign oh, wait, no. Sorry. Yeah, 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 he's 33. Sorry. He, so, okay, so he'd be, he's going to be 37 at the end of this contract. If you signed him to a five- or six-year deal, you put him at 38 or 39. That's kind of getting up there. I know Lester and Scherzer, both contracts go through their 37th birthday. He's 33 now. You're probably going to get maybe one or two years of James Shields, realistically, before he hits even more of a decline than he already has. And I'm not going to say he has hit too much of a decline, because this is pretty much what James Shields has been his entire career. But I think from James Shields' point of view, it's, okay, I can go to San Diego and pitch there until I'm 37, 38 years old, make a decent amount of money, and play for a team that probably could be pretty do pretty decent now. I don't know if I'm going to win the division because of the Dodgers and the Giants. But 
you're pitching for a good team who has promise and potentially could do well, and then the last couple of years of the contract might just be there to pitch. And you're living in San Diego versus maybe coming to Boston or pitching in the Bronx, which I don't think would have happened, or going somewhere else like that where, okay, you might have a chance to win every year in the contract, but am I going to be... I'm going to be less scrutinized in San Diego. I think he knows he wants the less attention on him. He's not John Lester. He's not Max Scherzer. He doesn't thrive under that pressure, and we saw that in the postseason. So I think from James Shields' point of view, not just a pitcher's point, I think it's the best situation for him out of all the options he possibly could have had. I don't know what else he got offered. I don't think that's reports have come out yet. Who else has been even gave him an offer? But it seems like about a, couple, like a month ago, it seemed like the Padres were kind of the team to lose him at this point. Yeah, well, and that's the thing, too, with – the fact that that he's 33 years old. I mean, I'm looking at his at his year by year right now, and he's thrown over 200 innings every year of his career except his rookie year, which was only 21 starts. So he's thrown a lot of innings, and he'll probably continue to throw a lot of innings. So when you're when you've thrown, let's say he throws over 200 innings for the next four years, let's just assume that for now, then that is going to be like 11 years of 200 plus innings in a row, and don't you think he'd probably break down at a certain point at that point? I mean, then unless he's just like Superman and he can just pitch 200 plus innings for the next 15 years, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't see that he's going to be good for much more than four years. So from his point of view, just do the four years, pitch your 200 innings, see if you can make the playoffs and maybe further. And then, yeah, you live in San Diego and then maybe, maybe he'll hang it up after he's 37 or 38. It makes sense for him. And you got to think that, Pitch like if you throw 200 innings, he's a guy, he's a pretty durable guy, and you got to think he's probably going to throw 200 innings. You got to think that's going to happen, and in a couple of years, he, his arm's screwed. I don't even know about like I don't even consider it like in the end of the contract. I I'm pretty sure that like coming down to it, I I really feel like in a couple of years, if he throws 200 innings for the next couple of years, his arm's going to be shot in like the third or fourth year of that deal. Um, I think even late into the second year, he could be screwed depending on how much the Padres rely on him this year because clearly the Padres are making a push, signing all these guys and being as busy as they've been. If they really want to push him this year, and they probably will, he's going to be probably, if he's healthy, which I think he can stay healthy, he goes over well over 200 innings this year, which could put a dent into the latter of the second year and then early third year. Well, that's the thing, too, is he's been so healthy throughout his career. I mean, he's pitched either 33 or 34 starts for the last seven years. So do you think there will be a certain time where he starts to break down or gets some injury or has to miss two or three months here or there, then that's going to start affecting his innings, start affecting his team? It just seems like at a certain point something's got to happen because he's been so healthy for so many years in a row. Has he ever been injured? I don't know. I'm just I'm seeing if you know off the top of your head. I'm looking I'm looking it up right now. But has he ever? He hasn't had a major injury. But right? there's no way he has, right? Because it's normally pitchers pitch like 30 to 34 starts, and he's had he's had 33 in every year. He had 31 in 2007 and 21 in his rookie year in 2006. So I don't see there's any way he would have an injury. Yeah, that makes sense then. Because I mean, he's been really durable because the t- even the t- rookie year, the 21 first start. I remember he came in. He got a start. I believe because Scott Cashmere got hurt that year. I think that might have been who he kind of filled in for. I think that I don't remember. That was a long time ago. That's an old team. But um, I'm pretty sure that's who he filled in for halfway of the year, and then they kind of just stuck in pitch well, and that's why he got the 21 starts. This guy's been pretty durable, and I think he's going to stay durable. And 200-plus innings a year is not unrealistic. It's probably going to happen for him. So you got to think this year he's going to throw – how many innings did he throw last year? He threw 227 last year. Okay, so I'm thinking he's probably going to be in the 240s this year, 
maybe 230s. I think it's going to go up because I really think San Diego is going to push him. I think they're going to get it any chance they can to maybe even skip a fifth starter and go back to him. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens later in the year as well during the regular season to maybe try to get them into the postseason. So you got to think he's going to be 230, 240 just by the workload that probably is going to come to him being on the Padres and potentially trying to get a team into the postseason. Well, his career high for innings is 249, so that's maybe that's a number to, to look at to see if he break a career high in terms of that. That's a lot. 249 is a lot. He's been... Okay, Jess, are you taking the over or under on 249? Well, I like your, I like what you're saying about them pushing him hard and maybe giving him extra starts because obviously he's gonna, he should be their best pitcher. So if he doesn't get hurt, I'd definitely be willing to go over that. I really want to take the over on that because as much as I, I, I it hurts me to say I don't want to take the under because I really don't believe that they're going to use anyone as much as they're going to use him. I think just towards the end of the year, the playoffs are going to be in sight, and they're going to see the big James, big games James there. He's phenomenal in the regular season, so they're going to use that to their advantage and keep him durable, keep him healthy. And they, Clearly, this guy has a work ethic and a diet to keep him healthy and keep his arm in shape, and he knows what he's doing. And I don't think San Diego has a terrible doctor doctors, so... Uh, this guy could definitely go, could set a career high for innings pitch this year, and I'm definitely taking the over on that because I don't see how he couldn't with the way the way this team's set. I think the only reason that he would that he wouldn't get over that is if they are worried about the amount of innings he's pitched in his career and decided to dial him back a little bit. But if you're in it, your first year with a team, I doubt they're probably going to be thinking that way. So I'm assuming they'll probably probably run him into the ground. But if he does have a season like the 249 innings. That year, he was 16 and 12, and he had 11 complete games and four shutouts, which is really and two, if you want to go further, 225 strikeouts. That was a great year. If he can have another mm-hmm. year like that this year, and maybe not lose quite so many games, maybe their their new revamped, maybe solid offense if everyone stays healthy, then he could that record, 16 and 12 record could be more like 18 and 10 or 19 and 9 or who knows, maybe even 20 if he really if he really brings it. So if, if he can do that kind of stuff, then he could be an extremely big signing for them. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I also want to throw this out there, too. I, I really think he's going to get an all-star bid this year. I think it's, he's going to be that important to the Padres. And I think when you look at the Padres, you're going to have some all-stars on that team. You're obviously, you're, I think you're going to see Matt Kemp. I think Will Middlebrooks has a chance, if he has a great rebound year, to be an all-star this year if not maybe a comeback type of player of the year. Um, I think James Shields is going to earn an all-star bid this year. I really do. I think he's going to show his stuff in San Diego and really earn his way onto a starting rotation or in the bullpen in terms of being a pitcher to pitches in the all-star game. Um, he had an all-star appearance, I believe. It was 2011, that was the, year, 2011. the year that I was just reading to you. That was his, that yeah, was his yeah, all-star game. Two, yeah, 2011 is his only all-star year. I think he's going to add another one to that. Um, he has 114 career wins, which is... I think it should be more, but he's played on some bad teams, so that kind of skewed a little bit. But again, the All Star year was 2011. I really think he's going to get one this year. I do. I think it kind of just correlates with what we're saying here in terms of you put a guy on a Padres team who wants to win, you're going to throw him that many innings. He's probably going to get an All Star bid. I expect him to be, I don't know, 15, 16 game winner this year, maybe a little higher, um, depending on how the team does. But I think you're going to see him in the 15, 16, maybe even 17 range. I don't think he's going to be a 20 game winner. Obviously, I don't think he has that in him, but. I think you're going to see a 15 or 16 game winner. I think he might be one of the first couple guys to 10 wins. I think with that team's resurgence there, I think you might see him get to 10 wins pretty quickly just because he's such a great regular season pitcher. Obviously, I don't think he's going to be Clayton Kershaw to 10 wins. He might not be John Lester to 10 wins. Actually, no, take that back. He probably will be John Lester to 10 wins because John Lester's playing for the Cubs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I I highly doubt he'll, he won't be John Lester to the 10 wins because as much as I like the Cubs now. They're still not going to help him get the 10 wins that quickly up there. So, um, 
James Shields is going to do well. I think he's going to have a great year. Expect him to be an all-star. Uh, Jess and I are both taking the over for uh, 149, you said it was, Two, for his career 249. inning. 249. 249. 249 for his uh, career innings, for season innings pitch. I think he's going to go over that. I think he might go over that by 5 or 10, to be completely honest, because I, I really think he's going to get worked. And I, and I don't. I think it's just set up so well that they're, they're going to push to try to catch the Dodgers and the Giants this year, and I think they're going. I think they're going to make the playoffs again. And I, I think that he's, he's. I think they're going to. He's going to be a big reason why. Well, I know one thing. That's going to be a really exciting division with those with those three teams competing. That's going to be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, that's going to be. That's that's probably going to come down to the end of the season because I don't think the Giants have lost too much. Obviously, Panda coming over here to Boston, but I think they're right in the thick of things. And I, I really still think the Dodgers are. They're probably going to be the favorites going in, but I think. The Padres could sneak sneak up on there and take a playoff spot from one of those two teams, depending on how they do. Most likely, it'll be the, taken from the Giants. I don't see the Dodgers missing the playoffs. Well, I think they all have a good chance, so it's, I think you're right. I think it's going to come right down to the end of the season. I always love how a 162-game season, when it comes down to like the last one or two days, like that's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's crazy to think about it, because you have all that time during the season, and it just happens to work out that all the runs and highs and lows of a season can kind of come down to 162nd game, sometimes 163rd game, when you have to have play-in games. It's crazy to think, but that's why we love baseball. Yeah, that's, it seems to happen more than more than it should. It's just you think that things would even out. I mean, not not even out. It'd be like a little a little bit different or skewed over that long of a time, but it just seems to happen a lot of the time where teams are just almost exactly the same. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think, but again, that division is going to be insane this year. I think it's kind of a good look at for look forward to. I think it's going to be as tight as the AL East probably will be, just because what well for reasons other than the AL East is kind of bad this year. So, but I think I think it's going to be just as tight of a race. You're going to see a, a few good division races this year more than usual. I think um, just because of teams shifting and uh, big key pitchers going other places and all that stuff. So I think it's going to be a good year for that. Uh, spring training two weeks, of course, it's going to be great. But um, again, James Shields, seventy five for four years. Took too long, kind of screwed himself out of some dollars, but I think he ended up in a good spot nonetheless. Um, again, don't forget, Red Sox Beats brought to you by lynda.com. Today's episode, of course, is brought to you by the free tri- 10-day free trial you can get by going to lynda.com backslash CLNS. It's used by millions of people around the world, uh, 4,500 different courses, uh, anything you can think of, languages, production skills, uh, any- anything and everything is on there by top by experts, so go on there and check it out. Um, James Shields, one topic, check. We're moving along here. Here on Red Sox Beat, uh, two weeks from spring training, two days from the Red Sox truck day. Uh, very exciting. Honk, honk, getting ready. Get those pink hats ready. Fans coming out in full force this year, getting us in the World Series. But uh, another big news out of baseball um, is the, I don't know if it's the most coveted and really enjoyed, but uh, Major League Baseball is shutting down the MLB Fan Cave. Fan Cave was used on, it's, it's been a big social media uh, Basically, it's live interactive experience for baseball fans to uh, watch games, tweet in. They do things during games, especially during MLB Network games. Um, yeah, they decided that it was shut down. Um, the quote they released, uh, MLB is shutting down the fan cave. It's much acclaimed four-year-old social media hub in New York City, representing an early sign of the unification of business operations under new commissioner Rob Manfred. The move, led by Bob Bowman, president of business and media, is an attempt to consolidate all of baseball's social media activities under MLB Advanced Media and the MLB Network. I think that's just a fancy way of saying they want to get rid of fan cave because no one's using it, and they just want to make it sound like it's being professional. Because I, I just think baseball is in such a slide right now in terms of popularity, and this would been this fan cave whole idea would have been huge if if social media was around in the '90s and during the steroid era, because a lot of people were watching back then. And now it's closing because I just don't think people 
if you if you if you see broadcasts of the fan cave, it's basically a couple people sitting on a couch with watching games on their computer and on a bunch of screens, and they have some interactive things, and it's kind of cool during the off season. They'll do, they'll give stuff away on Twitter, but like it's just not there right now because I don't think the popularity is there. I think it kind of goes hand in hand. Despite the MLB is going to sit here and say it's a business decision, which it kind of could, it, it kind of is, but I really think it just kind of correlates with them trying to get back on track the popularity of the game rather than trying to boast what they don't have. Well, it seems strange to me that since it's as as you read, it's a social media hub. I'm surprised that they're getting rid of it in, in terms of that, because obviously social media is huge at this point. But I mean, I don't personally. I don't really. I never really paid attention to it, and I didn't really follow it. I mean, I was aware that it was a thing, but I didn't didn't have anything really. To I mean, I, I just didn't really know about it, so I'm. It doesn't really affect me at all. But I am surprised in social media that they would get rid of it, but I don't really know a whole lot about it, so I guess things are changing under under the new commissioner. He's coming in and he wants to he wants to change the, the landscape of how things work and if he wants to do that then cool with me. If you don't know what the so- fan cave is, which most of us I barely did when when I came in, I just kinda of read up on it to talk about it today, but it's basically it lasted four years. They started in two thousand eleven and it was basically a tricked out house with a couple people they had designated to watch every game in the house, in the fan cave. I don't know if it was the same people. They could rotate it. I think they rotated. I'm assuming they don't have the same person sit there. But they, but it was a job. Some, someone got paid to sit there in the, in the fan cave. It's kind of like a reality show almost, only not a reality show. Picture, but Okay, picture this for you non-MLB fan cave knowers. Picture like real world, something or like the Big Brother, where they get put, put in this pimped out house and just all hang out together. And, and picture that for baseball. And then they're all watching baseball games. That's basically what it was. And... And they use it for parties and concerts and social events, and some DJs went in there and go DJ during the games. It was basically a huge social experiment, only with baseball. Um, so they're shutting that down, basically. And it was um, – I, I found no point in it. I think it's not a way to kind of really express baseball. I think it's just a way of getting people to watch MLB Network, really. Um, I, I think it's kind of the right decision to shut it down because I don't think it was that popular. And I think realistically, Rob Manfred's trying to get popularity back to the game. And I think he knows that – distracting us with that isn't going to help us want to watch the game because I feel like most people that I've talked to about it in the past and recently because it's been closing is just the fact that I don't think it was that attractive to people. I think people were just like, oh, what everybody's trying too hard, like change the game. I don't care about that fan cave stuff. I care about the game being changed, and that's why I don't watch it. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be – I mean, clearly it's it hasn't been that big of a deal considering it's been around for four no. years and we didn't really hardly even know about it. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I guess it's a big, a big deal in the sense that it was a an experiment, but it's who really cares, you know? <laughs> yeah, I think there's still it says here um, the space will remain for concerts and events, uh, and they'll still post those funny videos they posted on their Twitter and and all that stuff. But um, it's a, they even wrote here, but but the notion of getting some young creative types to live there and watch all the games is over now. If you want to do that, you have to do it on your own time, like the rest of us. <laughs> Well, I'm, I, I, I'm looking at their Twitter page right here. They have uh, a lot of followers, 528,000 followers. That's, I mean, that's a lot, but I think what they were trying to get is probably a little underwhelming for them. Um, this, that, 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 I just read that uh, hardball talk, by the way, NBC Sports, so I want to give them their due. Okay. But, um, but yeah, so they, they're shutting down. I, I'm not too disappointed. I'm not too boohoo over it, but it's baseball news, so I figured I'd kind of bring it up. It's something to talk about. Yeah, and, no, uh, definitely. And I, I think... I think the goal of it in 2011 was 
to get people to really come back to baseball. And they want they were trying to attract that younger crowd, which was trying to stop watching baseball to go to lacrosse and watch more football and all that stuff. But I think they just did it the wrong way. I think they should have really focused on changing the game first. And once you have the crowd, then you can do this. And I, I'm telling you, back in the day in the 90s, if you told me, about Fan Cave, and this is all existed, I would have been gung-ho and known everything about it, because I think back then there was more drive into the game, and I think it's a cool idea now, but I just think, don't think there's enough interest there to really make it something that it was supposed to be. Yeah, I think it was definitely a good idea, and I, mean, I had heard of it, like they used to, during games, they'd be like, alright, now over to the MLB Fan Cave with this, and then I kind of like stopped watching or watching the other room or something, so I knew about it, but it's just, it didn't, it never, like, it never really caught my attention enough to figure out what it was. No, yeah, it's something that you like knew existed, but you didn't really know what it was, and I think that's kind of why, um, why it's closing. I really why it's closing because there wasn't really any popularity, and I just think that overall, I think they're doing their best to get the game changed, and I think that starts with the pitch clock going to the minors and shortening inning breaks. I think they're trying to focus on that right now, and MLB fan caves losing the money, which is also a big thing. We all know that's a big thing in every professional sports league. So I think the money thing is a big part of it. I just think that overall, it's kind of a, a thing where. They just kind of needed to uh, move forward and really just kind of ha- um, focus on other things in baseball and not the fan cave. Um, but, yeah, that's all I really want. I just want to bring it up. We'll talk about it. We're going to move along here. It's, all, it's not important. They're closing. They're done. They don't exist. <laughs> yep, we, we not covered my it. Opinion. It's over. <laughs> we covered it. You, you, got your, you got your five minutes of fame, MLB fan cave. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm glad we could do that here for Red Sox beat. Uh, other MLB news, Josh Hamilton um, uh, has surgery. Uh, it was to shave a bone in his right shoulder. He has arthritis in his right shoulder. And that, the goal of that surgery was to create some relief on the shoulder because he has issues in his right shoulder. That, now that, for everyone who knows who Josh Hamilton is, which better, most of you who are listening to this podcast better know who Josh Hamilton is, um, hits lefty. And he, that's his short, leading shoulder in his batting stance, and that's tough to do when, you, when, you, when you're a power hitter like that with your lead shoulder. I think this is a big deal. I'm seeing a lot of articles saying this could be the end of uh, a permanent end to his MLB stardom. He think people think this is him just kind of becoming an okay player now, and he's not really going to get over this. I tend to agree with that. He he's been injury prone, and he had he's had big issues. Obviously, he had the drug issues, which he's gotten over. But the injury issue started. I don't know if really just, I, I mean, he had some issues in Texas, got over it, but then he really started once he went signed with the Angels. I think the Angels are a plague for these big name hitters who are going over there because Pujols had an issue when, as soon as he went over there. Uh, Hamilton, uh, Trout wasn't really great when he first started. Obviously, now he's a machine, but when he first signed there, he, he had one injury, I believe, when he started there. But Josh Hamilton's the big target here because he was supposed to come over there and be a big guy, which he was in Texas. And now, this injury, with again, arthritis in the right shoulder, had surgery and could be out a while, depending on the situation. This, I really do think, Jeff, this, this could end his, his MLB stardom, in lack of better terms. Yeah, I, don't, he, I think he's just kind of going to fizzle out a little bit, because, yeah, I like what you said about him and Pujols. They both just kind of were, were great players, and then they went over there to the Angels and became more average than, than people would have expected and still maybe better than the average player, but not nearly up to that level, and... Going back to Hamilton, I mean, he's 33 years old. He's had a pretty pretty weak last two seasons, which happens to be the two seasons he was with the Angels. He has only hit 31 home runs in the last two years combined. Granted, that wasn't over the full season because he missed almost half the season last year. But his his batting average has been fairly low, 250, 260. Hasn't been driving runs at at the high rate he was driving them in when 
when he was hitting 130 RBI and 128 and 100, and his averages are way down because, as you probably remember, he hit 359 and won the MVP in 2010. So he just seems to be going on a on a downswing. He's getting older. He was a great story for a little bit after getting past the drug problems and then having such a great beginning to his career. But he just seems to be falling falling off now, and I don't see how he's going to get better after his numbers have dropped off. He's getting older, and now he's having more surgery. So I think he'll just kind of be like fizzling out over time, maybe play a couple more years and kind of just kind of just fall away. Yeah, I think this is kind of coming into another situation. Um, I think another great example of this situation to compare to is Adrian Gonzalez. Um, he had shoulder issues when he was with Dodgers and he no, uh, Padres, and then came here. Kind of had the issues, but then really they really um, really showed themselves when he started playing for the Dodgers. And he changed his swing. He mechanics changed to put less pressure on that right shoulder, and he went from he went to a more flatter swing, which obviously takes pressure off of going up more and trying to drive your lead shoulder up instead of having to drive your lead shoulder up and put so much pressure on it to get that power he instead made the line drive swing and made it a flatter swing so that you have less tension on your shoulder and it it kind of extended his career and became a more successful hitter again so i think if hamilton has any chance of being successful getting back to those numbers before he joined the angels it's going to have to be that unless this somehow this surgery kind of heals him but it seems like it's kind of just a temporary thing um angels came out and said that they're responding to fans basically saying, like, why wouldn't you do this sooner, all this stuff. But he, they apparently, according to Hamilton, that he didn't feel this pain during the offseason. And um, it hasn't been hurting him. Um, this is the same shoulder he was dealing with all last year, too. So um, no coincidence there that he's having issues with it, with it. But he said he didn't have pain. He came out and said that this year he was going to have, he was gonna have a 300 average with, like, 30 homers and 100 RBIs. And he, and he said that was very attainable. He said he was healthy, and he said he was ready to go. And then this happens, so I don't know it, what's going to happen. But I think the only way for that to happen is if he kind of changes mechanics. I can see him. If he does the, if he takes the Adrian Gonzalez approach, yes, I can see him becoming a really good average hitter for average hitter. Use the whole field. Um, RBIs and averages could probably happen. I don't know about the 30 home runs with the pop that he might lose by flattening out his swing. But I, I think two of those three numbers can be realistic if he just kind of changes mechanics and really kind of takes care of his shoulder. Yeah, you're definitely right about that because I remember some of those games last year and they were showing his swing and then where the ball was when it passed, and he was, like, feet and feet and feet away from the ball. He was oh, it's horrific to terrible, watch. which clear, horrific. clearly is the mechanics that you're talking about. So he's got to fix that because he, he looked like he didn't even belong in the major leagues with some of those swings. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of rough, and I think that's the big thing. I think him missing by that much showed pain, showed an issue in mechanics, and that some of those big cuts and misses didn't help his shoulder that much when he's trying to put all this weight and power into that right shoulder to hit the ball really far. It doesn't help if you don't get the mechanics of it. If, you, if you're a casual baseball fan, the harder you swing upward, the more pressure you're putting on that lead shoulder, and it hurts. And if you already have an issue, it's going to tear it some more, and that's probably this inflammation that he's getting scoped out and kind of getting fixed, and I think it's more inflammation along the bone that he's trying to get fixed. That doesn't go away. That 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 kind of deteriorates, but doesn't really go away completely. So I'm intrigued to see. It's not supposed to go away completely. Um, it just kind of comes back the more you use your shoulder. So I'm intrigued to see what he does. I think if he continues on the same path he's going now, keeps that power swing and tries to hit those 30 home runs, I don't think that he's going to do it. I think his shoulder's going to hurt him. And like you said, Jess, he's going to fizzle out of the game. I think he, the only way to fix him is if I think the way to take care of his shoulder and just flatten out his swing. I think that's the way he's going to have to keep his earn his paycheck, basically. Yeah, definitely. 
And then some, somebody else here, has, I don't know if you were going to mention it, but just quickly of note, another another injury to another better player. Victor Martinez is going to be out four to six weeks with oh, surgery yeah. of his own. So there's another there's another player who's a little bit older, and yeah, he's even he's 36, so he's even older. But he had such a good year last year, so that, that really is unfortunate for for the Tigers and and for him if he's if he's going to recover from that hopefully he does. And think about the Tigers situation too. It's you you lose him for that amount of time and then Miguel Cabrera's coming off surgery too. And you lose both of them, you might not have both of them for opening day. And in a division like that, you don't want to lose any ground that quickly. So it's going to be tough kind of lose not you might have to play without them for a little while and it's kind of tough. Uh, I saw an article and it's great comparison. Playing without them in that lineup, they mean as much in that lineup as Manny and Ortiz did one two punch back in the day when they were they were playing for the Red Sox together. I'm not saying there's much talent there. There probably is because, look, Miguel Cabrera is an animal when he's healthy. And Victor Martinez is probably at the level where David Ortiz was back then. So I guess it's a fair comparison. But it means that much to that lineup having those two in that, in that, in that lineup every day and hitting one, two punch behind each other. So it's a big loss. I know it doesn't seem like either of them are going to be ready to go for opening day. And it looks like the Tigers are going to have a storm to weather very quickly going into April. Kind of reminds me of I know, I know this is a baseball show, but it kind of reminds me of the Oklahoma City Thunder losing Kevin Durant and then Russell Westbrook right after it at the beginning of their season, and they yep. and they haven't been able to recover for it, and there's no way they're going to be above a seven or eight seed in the playoffs, which could end up hurting them in the end. So, and they could miss the playoffs. So this kind of reminds me of that. Just like if you just miss a little bit of time at the beginning of the season with your two big guns, then it could it could affect the rest of the season for sure. Yeah, it could backfire, especially where you lost. Max Scherzer and Rick Porcello in your starting rotation, so you really have kind of have to make up for it there as well. And you're going to be banking on Verlander and David Price to really kind of backbone your rotation and get you some wins and kind of hold you down until those guys come back. And it's, it's a great analogy, despite crossing sports. And I cross sports a lot, so I'm not really mad at you, Jeff. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> cross sports way more than I should, but it's it's a great analogy. Those two in for the OKC Thunder got hurt, and now. Look where they are. They're fighting for a playoff spot. And if they get into the playoff spot, they could do some damage. They've climbed some ladders since they both came back. But you're very well seeing a situation in the NBA where you could see a Spurs-Thunder final. I mean, first round, which is unheard of. Or like a great, you could see a situation where you could see a Thunder-Warriors first round, which is being unheard of, because that should be a final. So, like, it's just a lot to look into. And I think the Tigers could be screwed if they don't get those guys back healthy. I'm not saying rush them back for for April games. It's not that important, because baseball's a... Pretty long season if you if you if you did if you forgot it's 162 games so I think it's a lot of time um, April's important but it's, it's more important to get them healthy so between those two they really need to get back and be good because once they come back they need to stay back and that's the big key so two big injuries there plus the Josh Hamilton situation a lot of uncertainty going into the season um, Angels looking to just kind of finally do some damage in the playoffs with that amazing offensive attack they've had forever and they just haven't been able to push through with that lineup. Um, Detroit needing to push through because they've been having issues getting through past the ALCS forever now, and they can't do their thing, and they need to stay healthy. So another year, another attempt for the Angels and the Tigers, and they just need to push through. Um, that being said, we're going to push through here and keep going here. On Red Sox Beat, of course, don't forget Red Sox Beat's brought to you by lynda.com. Go to lynda.com backslash CLNS. Get your free 10-day trial. 4,500 different online courses, top experts. You can learn anything and everything and get back uh, get those New Year's resolutions going if you didn't. If you uh, got a little delay in them, it's February now, almost March. So uh, get get those New Year's resolutions going with Lynda.com. Get your free ten ten day trial today, courtesy of CLNS Radio and of course Lynda.com. Um, moving forward here, I, I do want to talk about 
Um, I do want to get to the Orioles. We're going to preview them. But quickly, I do want to talk about just this whole uh, exhibition game in Cuba situation. I know the Orioles have expressed interest, and they have ties because the Cuba, it was a while ago, but the Cuban national team did play a game at Camden Yards. Um, the Red Sox have expressed interest playing an ex- exhibition game against the Orioles in Cuba. Do you think that could even happen this year, or is that going to be a 2016 thing? I think it'll be a 2016 thing. I think it's just, I would love to see it this year, but I think it's just, it's come up so quickly. I think there's so much still of a logistical nightmare going into Cuba, despite us being able to go to Cuba now. Um, I think that it's a good idea. I think there's so many players that come from Cuba that I think it's good that the MLB wants to consider giving back to Cuba by giving MLB games to them. Because, look, their international teams are great, and they love baseball down there. Look at all the Cubans. We have Ruzne Castillo. We have Cuban. We might be getting another one. So, like... They're good, and they're good to baseball, and I think it's a good idea to go down there, especially now that we're trying to, as a, as a country, kind of get better and be closer with Cuba and kind of break our longstanding feud with Cuba. So I think that an exhibition game with Cuba would be fantastic, or in Cuba, with the Orioles. I think that probably will happen next year. I think it's just too much of a logistical nightmare in terms of traveling, getting people down there um, this year, because consider the Reds, some players are already down in Fort Myers, uh, Spring training starts in a couple weeks. I think you're gonna, you'd have to do it. You'd have to have everything already set to go by now if you wanted to do that. I think another year under the United States belt of working things out with Cuba, getting more things okay, okay, and stuff like that, I think it's a big deal. Um, look, Cuba just got Netflix, so let them enjoy that. Let them enjoy <laughs> some Netflix. They just got Cuba the Netflix recently. Um, not everyone can have it, but let's give them a year. But let, let everyone get Netflix, and then we'll send baseball players down there. So yeah, I, think I think it's a I think, big, it's, a I think it's a good deal though. It definitely is. I think it's just a good idea to give back to Cuba. And as much as Cuba was screwed us over the last couple of years, they have given us great baseball players. Hey, a lot of a lot of good ones coming out of there. A lot of, a lot of young good players definitely making a difference. Yeah. So um, I think it's a good idea. I think it'll happen next year. Look, both teams are down in Florida. It's a really quick trip to Cuba from down there. So I think it works out. I think it's going to happen. I think watch for 2016 to happen. Um, when is the next next uh, World Baseball Classic? Just you know. I have no idea. I, I don't. Maybe it's ne- maybe it's next year, the year after. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of about the possibility of it be interfering with the winter cl- that baseball classic and whether it would be missed next year because if it's next year, but I don't know what it's it 2017. is. 2017. Okay, so we'll go next year. Do it next year. Yeah, it's good. Absolutely. Good timing. Um, All right, let's cover the Orioles yeah, before I yeah. I yeah, I wanted to touch on that, but we'll go to the Orioles here. I want to do an Orioles preview. Um, Jess, give me give me one player on the Orioles that you think is going to be the MVP this year for the Orioles. Adam Jones, definitely. Adam Jones, okay. He's there. I mean, he's he's been a consistent player for them. He had he had uh, over thirty home runs the last two years. So I think the other guys are two: Manny Machado, Matt Weeders, Chris Davis. They're all. I mean, Machado and Weeders are injury prone, and and Davis. I mean, he shouldn't he shouldn't be missing any games, but with his with his suspension for the Adderall and those things, I think he's a question mark too. And Jones is just a solid player. He's Sorry, he had 29 homers last year, but he had over 30 the last two years before that. So, and he plays almost every game. He's only missed three games in the last three years, which is pretty crazy. So, I think he's the most consistent player, and I think he's the most most likely to play the most games. So, I'm definitely going with him. Yeah, I definitely think you have to go Adam Jones. I think he's going to have to put this team on their back this year. I, overall, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were last year just because they lost so many people uh, from losing Nelson Cruz and uh, losing Marcakis and all this stuff. I think they just are screwed, and now they don't have a great pitching staff to go with it. Uh, like you said, Tillman was hurt. I, th- I think Tillman is the uh, key to them. Um, but like, if you look at their pitching rotation, where it's, it was in front of me. Hold on, let me find it. 
They, they don't have anyone, is basically where I'm going Tillman, with Tillman, Chen, Gossman, Norris, and Jimenez. Yeah, and Bud Norris is supposedly the star of that rotation. <laughs> no. Um, no, no. Um, Chen is pretty good. I'll give Chen that. Um, Tillman's okay, but he's not an ace. Um, they're kind of in the same situation we are with three and fours as the Red Sox, but I think we have just had better three and four and two pitchers than they do. Their pitchers are too inconsistent. Jimenez is always inconsistent. Norris is inconsistent. Gosman's young, so I don't. I think there's a lot too many question marks. Yeah. What? Okay. Speaking of question marks, this is where I wanted to go. Who do you think is going to be the most vital player in terms of? Who can make or break the Orioles this year in terms of the most, not say valuable player, but the, the player that could, if they do bad, then the team might not be able to succeed as well. I know a lot of the pitching staff can be included in that because there are a bunch of question marks. Who's the biggest question mark for the Orioles this year? I think Manny Machado because he's supposed to be such a great player. He's supposed to be a team leader. And he's, he showed some hot-headed moments last year, and then he also got injured. So I think that a lot of people are going to be looking at him as a difference maker. And he's young, and he's still raw, so I think that... He could he could make a big difference depending on if he can stay healthy and stay calm and be as good of a player as people think he's going to be. For me, I agree. Machado's a big one, especially because he was hurt and he's been hurt. But he's he's going to be a good player, and he always it has been. I think the big one for me is um, Ibaldo Jimenez because he signed that big uh, four. I believe it was a four year deal last year in the off season. But either way, it was a pretty decent chunk of change because he was having he had success in Colorado and they brought him on. And last year he just sucked. He was awful. His mechanics were off, and obviously he throws the ball weird. But if he comes in this year and pitches well and goes back to form and kind of fixes mechanics, then they have some flexibility. They really do. They have an option there. They have a de- they can put him higher up and they can move him around the rotation. I think they need him to be a solid, solid pitcher this year. And I think he's the biggest question mark because he's a guy they signed to be a number two, not really an ace, but I guess you could call him an ace if he was kind of where he was with Colorado. I think him and Tillman really have to lead this rotation um, and be successful throughout the year, and I just think Jimenez really needs to lead the charge with that rotation. He's the big one for me as the biggest question mark just because of his contract and how bad he was last year in the first year of that contract. Yeah, I, I could totally agree with that. He's been so inconsistent in his career. He's had great years. He's had terrible years. So if he can steady himself out and, and be successful for them, that's definitely going to be huge. All right, two more things to touch on here before we kind of get out of here. Um, one thing is... The whole Dan Duquette situation. We know he wants to be in Toronto. I think everyone in the baseball world knows he wants to be in Toronto. What do you see happening with this? Do they, do they let, what do they get for him if they let him go? Do they let him go? Does he stay with the Orioles? What what happens by, I wouldn't say the beginning of the season, but is he, go, is he here the whole season? Is he helping the Orioles kind of push back to the playoffs, or is he gone? I think he'll stay, but I think it's a, that's definitely a distraction for the team, and I don't think it's going to help anything. So maybe something will happen later on, but I'd say he probably stays for this year, but... Yeah, definitely not a good situation. Yeah, no, I, I think that Duquette's, I think Duquette's head is in Toronto. And I think his heart probably is in Toronto. I think he wants to go and kind of challenge himself and put make Toronto be a winner. And I think he sees what he has in Baltimore and just I think he doesn't want to be there. And I think he has some issues with ownership maybe as part of it. But I think the big thing is that he sees where his roster is in Baltimore. He sees where Toronto is and he wants that Toronto job. And I think Toronto wants him. Toronto saw what he did with Baltimore and they want that. They want the guy to come in who knows the AL East very well. He obviously was here with the Red Sox, too. So he, he knows the AL East and he knows how to make a winner out of nothing, really, which he did with the Red Sox back in the day before they gave the team to Theo, essentially, without winning a World Series. And he got Baltimore pretty pretty damn close. And I think that Toronto wants, wants to be pretty damn close because they're sick of being first and then last in the same season. They want to stay at first, and I think he's the big reason why 
Baltimore had success. But I think Dan Duquette's gone. I think he's gone. I don't know. If, see, I think it's, it's just tough because I don't, I don't see management leaving mid-year. So I think he's probably going to be gone after the season. If he, I would, but I also wouldn't be surprised if he was gone at the deadline. So I think you have to go with it there. All right, Jess, one more thing. Um, what do you Overall, where do you have the Orioles finishing in this division? Um, That's a good question. It's, it's pretty hard to tell. There's a lot of I mean, there's a whole lot of question marks throughout the whole division, so that's going to be a difficult decision. But I'm going to go with uh, third. Third. I think they'll be better than the Rays and the Yankees. The Rays and the Yankees. So do you have? Oh, the, we won't get. Where do you have the Blue Jays? Because I don't. You, we already did the Blue Jays on a couple of episodes ago on last episode, and uh, I had them finishing. I believe it was fifth. To be honest, and wow. I believe Nate had them winning the division. I was thinking second. I was thinking Red Sox, Blue Jays, uh, Orioles. And I'm not sure which one Yankees are raised for fourth and fifth, but I don't know. But I, yes, this could be completely wrong. I really have no idea. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think I, I mean, we'll obviously preview the Red Sox later on, getting closer to spring training. But I think the Red Sox are have to be the favorites just because they've done the most. And everyone else really hasn't done anything or lost have lost so much that I think the Red Sox have to be the favorites going in, regardless of any preview that we do. I think it just makes sense because of what they've added. But I really do think that the Blue Jays are not that good, and I think they just they might start hot. They're going to drop back down. I think the Rays and the Rays will get to the Rays, but I think the Orioles are going to finish third. I really do think they're that middle of the pack team. They won the division last year. You have to give them credit because they won the division. You can't just throw them down to the last place. I don't think they're that bad to be getting thrown the last place again. If Jimenez in the starting rotation kind of holds up and Adam Jones in this offense can lead the team, I, I think you can see them even being second. Um, maybe winning the division depending on how the Red Sox do, but I, I think they're going to be two or three. I'm giving them three um, and kind of going from there. But I, I think they're going to be. I think they're going to be three. I, I, I could be wrong. I, they could be two. I just don't think them see them going lower than three is kind of what I'm getting. Yeah, at. I don't either. I think they're definitely got to give them credit for winning the division last year. Yeah, I think lower than anything lower than three is just kind of doing them injustice. Despite them losing their talent, losing their talent dropped them from first to third. That's basically me dropping them. Yeah, is going from first to third. Other than that, they shouldn't be going any lower than that. I just don't see how it's feasible to think that they're going to go from first to last, despite the Red Sox being able to do it somehow. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just don't think they're going to do it. I don't see it's feasible. The Red Sox did it for certain reasons. I don't think the Rays have those issues. So I just, I just think it's going to be a, uh, maybe a middle of the pack year. Maybe a while. They might get in the playoffs. They could be a wild card team. I'm not, I'm not counting that out by any means. But I just don't think they're going to win this division again. Sounds good to me. All right. We're going to wrap it up here on Red Sox Beat. Another great episode, another great week. I want to thank Jess Thomas again for coming on and filling in for Nate here. Um, again, don't forget Lynda.com. Red Sox Beat is brought to you by, of course, Lynda.com. You go to Lynda.com backslash CLNS radio. Just CLNS. Don't forget to leave out the radio part. And you get a free 10-day trial. I was spouting out this URL so many times. Um, it's a great service. Over 4,800 different courses, uh, professional, non-professional. You can get, get great professional experts there in terms of you get to do languages, production, and entertainment. Anything you want to learn that's on there, I've used it to brush up on my Italiano. It's, it's a great feature. It's a great, it's a great use. Go on there and get your 10-day trial now. And um, until then, this time next week, it'll be after truck day. We'll have a week till spring training starts. So it'll be a big week next week. So it's two. until then, again, thanks, Jess, for filling in. And next week, we'll talk to you uh, previewing some more spring training.